0: John Dauberstein, Senior Editor at No-Till Farmer, and welcome to this episode of our 2018 No-Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, Digging Deeper on the Status of Your Soil Health, is being brought to you by Yedder Manufacturing. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, which is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmers' solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment in tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at Yetterco.com. That's Y E T T E R C O.com. When it comes to evaluating soil health, Abbeywick takes both fundamental and applied approaches probing the theory behind ecosystem processes as well as management practices to repair those processes following soil disturbance. The soil health specialist at North Dakota State University Extension suggests that all farm systems require a holistic approach where the interactions of elements including climate, landscape position, crop systems, and fundamental soil processes should be considered when growers choose an appropriate management practice or strategy. In today's podcast, we're pleased to share excerpts from Abby's conversation with Tony Kramer on the RDO Equipment Company Agriculture Technology Podcast. RDO Equipment Company is a 75-plus store dealership group serving the upper Midwest and Southwest. Tony and Abby will discuss defining soil health, cover cropping strategies, and the value of strip-till and no-till in retaining soil moisture and managing residue.
1: We have another great show for you today, and I'm really excited to welcome Abby Wick, who is the Extension Soil Health Specialist at North Dakota State University. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Abby. To get started, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about you and your background and how you got involved in this industry.
2: Actually, I got involved in kind of a roundabout way. So I'm one of the city kids. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, not having anything to do with agriculture, never growing up on a farm. And from there, I went to school in, in Colorado and Wyoming and then moved to Virginia for a job at Virginia Tech. And I used to do all mine land reclamation. So I worked on coal mines, titanium mines, and, and it wasn't until I moved to Virginia that I kind of got involved with prime farmland reclamation. So putting back prime farmland onto mine land and, and making it work and achieving productivity and from there I just this job came up at, at North Dakota State University and I thought it looked kinda interesting and, and was wanted to get a little more into agriculture. So that's what moved me up to Fargo about five years ago and, and into this position at N D S U.
1: That's kind of neat to hear that you, you haven't been involved in agriculture the whole time. You've been doing stuff with, with mining and other places, other areas of soil health, agronomy, things like that. So to get started, we were discussing a little bit before we started recording here, what is soil health?
2: That is the toughest question to answer. So, you know, I used to think when I started working at NDSU, I thought, well, soil health is kind of it's the overlap of physical soil properties, chemical soil properties and biological. And and it's that overlap and understanding of those three general areas of soil that create soil health. But now that I've been working in a couple of years, that definition has changed a little bit for me. Um, and maybe that's from farmer influence and hearing how they view soil health or what they're thinking of on their farms. But I kind of decided a couple years ago that it's, it's really difficult to measure soil health. And when a farmer comes to me and says, I want to achieve soil health, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them because soil health is, is challenging to measure. It's not something that's really that year after year you can see progress. And so my definition has changed a little bit to be more of a, a set of management practices that help us achieve on-farm goals which ultimately protect the soil resource. And so is that using reduced tillage? Is it using cover crops to diversify rotations? Is it diversifying a rotation? Those things all come into play. And then it's, it's so much easier to evaluate those goals that farmers set versus just a general one of soil health.
1: So, like we were discussing beforehand, it's it's not as simple as what most people think. It's kind of a a very large umbrella of a, a whole bunch of different aspects that come into it. Now, on top of that, asking what soil health is, why should we be concerned about soil health?
2: I think for for me and for most farmers that that I end up working with, it's when you see the soil resource blowing away like in the last couple winters they've been open winters the wind erosion has has been pretty pretty bad i think most people notice it whether you live in the city or you live out on a farm so i think you know that's that's probably the the main hook to get people into soil health and why they care and so um, implementing some of those practices which ultimately build soil health like like reduced tillage which keeps residue on the surface to help protect the soil from blowing away including something like a cover crop within a rotation so you get a little more biomass on the surface and something, again, protecting the soil and keeping it in place with root structures. I think that's kind of the main gateway into, into soil health and why we why we care. It's, it's protecting that soil and keeping it in the field.
1: That's a really good point that we need to keep that soil in the field. I was actually having a conversation with a grower uh, early spring this year, and we were kind of discussing the fact that the generation that's farming now is not going to be the last generation to farm. We got to hand it on and on and on. And if we don't take care of the soil and the soil health now, what are they going to have to work with in three, four generations from now? So it's really, really interesting to think about long-term versus just short-term when it comes to soil health.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's what it comes down to in soil health is that we can't be thinking about next year's yield or, you know, we can't be, we have to be thinking about the next five years and the yield we're going to get on that field and and what can we do to, to keep our fertility in place. And and yeah, then ultimately protect that solar resource, whether you're going to hand it down to another family member or um, or you're going to sell it. I mean, the the more you build that soil and keep that soil in place, the more that land is worth. So um, so I think it's, it's both, you know, it's, it's setting more long-term goals, but it's also um, understanding what you're going to pass down or what you're going to sell in the future.
1: So you discussed a little bit about some of the different ways that we can go about improving that soil health. Let's dig a little deeper into that and tell our listeners a little bit about the different types or different practices that we can do, whether it, like you were saying, the the cover crops or the reduced tillage or no-till, things like that. So getting started with those, talking cover crops, I know you, uh, you deal a lot with cover crops, you're doing a lot of research, trying to figure out what the best way to go about it is. Let's talk cover crops and how we can utilize those to improve soil health.
2: Okay. And that's, I think that's a great place to start. Most, most farmers that I work with, if they're interested in reducing tillage or or building a soil health system, I think cover crops is a great place to start. It's a, it's a short-term investment right? I mean, you're not buying a new piece of equipment to do cover crops. You're, you're buying seed, you're getting the seed out there and you always have a way to terminate it. So, um, so with cover crops, I think it's a matter of looking at your rotation. A lot of guys in our area are corn and soybean. So how do we get cover crops into that where corn and soybean take up a majority of the growing season? So that's where we start looking at interseeding corn and, and getting a cover crop established in corn so that it can overwinter with something like a, like a winter annual. Um, in our case, we, we, predominantly use cereal rye. And then using the cereal rye on the front end of the soybean as a cover crop to, to grow and use moisture, manage moisture, and protect the soil from erosion in like April when we get quite a bit of wind erosion. So um, so it's figuring out ways to get a cover crop in your existing rotation, if you can. And then it's also thinking about what could you change in your rotation, depending on the type of soil that you have. Like, if, say you have salts in your soil, maybe you put back a small grain in rotation because that ground is just more suitable for, for small grains. So then it's, it's looking at on a field by field basis where you can put back additional crops into rotation. And and then how do you fit cover crops in after, after a small grain, which in our region is, is fairly easy to do.
1: So that's one of the really, like you said, in this area, some of the stuff that's catching on is that, that cover crop in season type stuff, Going to the next level, you were talking about different tillage practices. Maybe it's a minimum till, no till, strip till, lots of different options there. What are you seeing or what are some of the practices that that we can do to improve soil health when it comes to tillage?
2: Uh, for tillage, I think... It's looking at what can you add to to what you already have. And so um, for a lot of farmers, they may be modifying a side dress unit to get cover crops in. And then by including the cover crops, then that can take away tillage pass in the fall. It's looking at how can you do things more efficiently on your farm and, and save money. So by reducing tillage in the fall, you're saving money. It's it's not costing you to go out there to work up the soil or to, to get it prepped for next year. But you do get out there and you put a cover crop down, and that cover crop is kind of the gateway into, um, into a reduced till system.
1: So with the cover crops and the varying tillage practices... With you guys at NDSU Soil Health Extension, what have you guys been seeing with the fertility in the soil, the anything salinity issues or erosion, whether it be tillage practices or cover crops, what are you guys seeing out there in your research?
2: Uh, We've got a lot of research going on right now and and some of it is just on reduced till systems. So we have have plots that have strip till, vertical till, chisel plow, and also no till kind of side by side. And we're finding in our region for some of these heavier soils in the valley where they're high clay percentage, maybe 50 or 60% clay, that, that strip till is a very good option. So we have issues with soil warming and drying out in the spring. And so having that strip that's black definitely helps it warm up. But then having the residue between the strips is really helpful for preserving some moisture for later in the growing season, like now when we're really dry and you need a little extra moisture in that soil to, to keep the crops growing. So that's, strip till seems to be a good option. Um, vertical till is also a great option for people that want to size residue. And and we're finding great results with, with vertical till. We're... Gosh, no-till is is a little trickier to get into. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, I got into no-till when I just stopped tilling, you know, and, and I sold all my equipment. Well, that's not really how it happens, I don't think. So for, for no-till, it's really figuring out the system and figuring out how you're going to do that, getting all the ruts worked out of your field first. I mean, you don't want to be driving over ruts the next... 20 years and and a no-till system so it's you know we're we're seeing great things in no-till um, we're seeing excellent things and in, in farmers that are trying no-till on some of these really challenging soils but they are relying very very heavily on cover crops to use moisture or some of them are relying on tile drainage
0: We'll rejoin Abby and Tony's conversation in a moment, but I'd like to thank Yedder Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With the tradition of providing farmer solutions since 1930, Yedder Manufacturing is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and in tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at YetterCo.com. That's Y E T T E R C O.com. One of the topics that Tony and Abby touched on was the comparative research North Dakota State is doing with strip-till, vertical tillage, chisel plowing, and no-till. Early returns on the research is showing that strip-till is a worthwhile option on heavier soils in areas where clay content is 50-60% to 60% or more. Abby noted that especially in the upper Midwest, soil warming is an issue and strip-till can help soils retain moisture and keep crops growing late in the season. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Tony Kramer and Abby Wick. So
1: you bring it up, I got to ask, especially being in this area, we're known as more of a conventional tillage area. A lot of guys are, you got to get that soil black so it warms up and we can get some crops in. When someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm having issues, I want to improve my soil health. When you bring up the tillage aspect of it, what, what do they say? How do you get them to kind of jump on board when it comes to adjusting conventional tillage habits?
2: Oh, it's tough. Cause I mean, even, even guys that have been long-term no-till still struggle with it. You know, I mean, sometimes their crop doesn't look as good as the next guys. And, um, so it, it's, it's hard. That piece is hard because it's, um, it's something that's, I think, ingrained in us. I mean, everything that you read, even children's books have plows in them, you know? I mean, it's just, you know, that with a little kid that, that everything has a plow in it. So I think it's talking through the system, figuring out whether it's backing off on one tillage pass, you know, in the fall, maybe you don't work the soybean ground and you figure out another way to get your fertility and for your corn Um, maybe it's it's including cover crops to to make sure that you don't have to do that pass so you're going to use moisture through transpiration by the cover crop through drainage down the root channels through some evaporation instead of just with tillage we're just relying solely on evaporation for water management Um, so it's really thinking through the system and and that's my job is to help farmers think through that for their own systems and figure out what they're comfortable with and what they're willing to try and, 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 uh, and to not push them too hard. Cause I know how tough it is to change. So, um, and to how tough it is to learn all these new things. I mean, shoot, I came from mine reclamation and got into agriculture, so I know how hard it is to learn. And, um, so I, you know, it's, it's just being that sounding board and trying to think through all the options and all the things that could come up and, and trying to come up with the best possible situation for the current year. So that brings
1: me to my next question. You talked a lot about maybe you reduce to a, a single pass tillage or something like that. I know you guys have been learning and I've I've gone to a number of your meetings and things that you guys have done with research and it's it's not necessarily quitting tillage in a whole. It's maybe we maybe you back off, like you said, down to that one pass, or maybe you adjust, you go from a, a broadcast fertilizer to a strip till or something like that. So I know we we maybe answered this question already, but how does equipment anywhere from the tractor, the types of tires, the tracks, to the implement we're pulling? How does equipment play a part in soil health?
2: Oh, I think I think equipment plays a big part, and and they always, they I don't know who they are, but they people told me when I started, well, you're going to have to figure out how to get. These systems to work for the farmers. You're going to figure out how they're going to intercede cover crops. You're going to figure out how to do the reduced tillage. And and I thought, you know what? I don't know a lot about equipment, but farmers do, and so farmers are the ones that are going to figure out how to make their equipment work for that system. Um, so whether it's taking, you know, a, a a sprayer or something and and adding a box onto it to broadcast cover crops, or buying a new unit that helps you cover ground, or Um, modifying a certain piece of equipment you have to make it a strip till unit or, you know, I think it's, it's taking what you have, figuring out what you can invest in it, looking at new equipment, looking at old equipment, you know, and, and finding out, uh, A combination that works but that's it's been kind of fun watching the farmers do all the tweaking of what they have and and figuring out what they're going to do and and it's pretty common that i show up to a a shop and i see some new piece of equipment or something that's been modified and and that's how i learn about equipment but um but i think it plays a huge role because if you can't get these systems to work and you don't have the right equipment or even you know the right planter to get through the residue um then then that's that's important it's it's really important to get those things in in line and, and ready to go
1: so staying on the lines of equipment and how that plays a part in soil health, is there anything out there, precision agriculture wise, that these growers are using to help soil health?
2: Um, I, you know, as far as the precision work, I, I think there's, you know, I have some farmers that are starting with some variable rate of seeding cover crops. So like cereal rye that they're dropping into, into corn between five and eight leaf or a side dress time. They're varying the rates of, of cereal rye that they put down, uh, going heavier on some of the the higher clay soils, a little bit lighter on some of the sandier soils, so that they make sure they don't dry it out too much, but get the moisture usage they need. Um, so I think you know I think that that's where some of the precision work is coming in with with the the soil health practices as far as you know as tillage practices i know some vertical till units you can adjust on the fly or you know do a little more aggressive tillage in some areas and less aggressive in other areas i don't i haven't worked with many farmers that are using that but i think that that's that's an excellent option the more flexibility you have uh the better off you're going to be in implementing these practices
1: yeah that's one of the things that john deere recently redo or released is the true set tillage so on i know it's a uh not the greatest term to use with you, but the John Deere rippers, the the uh, disc rippers, those as well as the field cultivators, they have true set tillage where we can start doing variable rate tillage. So like you said, you can write those map-based prescriptions to dig a little bit deeper, dig a little bit shallower. So the technology is invol- evolving and precision agriculture is a big part of that So with all of the research you've done, all of the farmers that you've been working with, are there any success stories that you'd like to share with us?
2: Oh, gosh. You know, I feel like there's been a lot of great success. And and part of it's because we've had a, a really long fall the last couple of years. And so that's been great for Cover Crops. I've seen a lot of great things out of farmers, and and the innovation and the commitment on their part is has been outstanding. So there, are, I mean, there are several farmers that I work with that have included new new parts to their system, new different cover crops, or even cover crops at all. A set of farmers that I work with down in in the Wapitan area. I mean, they went from from tillage. He was never a heavy tiller, but he he did some tillage, and and all of a sudden you, he saw that something wasn't working, you know, that he had to change something in his system so that his sons could farm that land. And, and, um, and so he included cover crops, that was his first step into this kind of soil health, but he went to a lot of meetings and got a lot of information before he made that step. And so seeing that work on their farm over the last several years has been really impressive. Um, I know that they're constantly learning and constantly changing, which I I think that that's important. But I think at the end of the day, their mindset is I'm going to make this work, not I'm going to give it a try. And so that's the the first thing I hear from a lot of guys getting into this that as long as you go into it saying I'm going to make this work, then you'll make it work.
1: I know there's a lot of research out there, a lot of information out there that you guys are putting forth with soil health. If any of our listeners want to learn more about soil health or maybe some of the research that you guys are doing at North Dakota State University, where can they go? Who can they talk to?
2: So we have we have a great webpage that's up. It's um, ndsu.edu slash soil health, or you can just search ndsu soil health and it'll come up. Um, we focus mostly on, on video resources. So there are like 50 different two minute videos that people can watch on there about the practices that we're using. And, and I include a lot of farmers in, in the videos that I make, cause I think that they're, you know, they have the most knowledge of the equipment that they're using and how they're getting these practices on the ground. Um, so that's an excellent resource. I'm also on Twitter with a tag name at NDSU soil health. So people can find me that way or just search for Abby Wick. And, and I usually, as I drive around, which is pretty much every day of the week, I'm out on the road doing something and visiting farmers, um, I'm tweeting about what I'm seeing. And, and so that's a great way to kind of pick up and, and have discussions on, on what we're doing up here.
1: So lots of resources out there to go to, whether it's at NDSU website or like Abby said, follow her on Twitter at NDSU Soil Health. I would just like to thank you, Abby, for coming in and discussing soil health with us. It's kind of where we started with the conversation. Soil health is hard to explain, but I think we got a lot of good information
0: out there.
2: I think so. Thanks for having me.
0: I'd like to sincerely thank Tony Kramer and Abby Wick for sharing their perspectives on soil health strategies. To listen to more podcasts about successful soil health strategies, please visit no slash podcasts. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Gator Manufacturing, for helping to make this No-Till Farmer podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, feel free to drop me an email at jdauberstein at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2430. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our No-Till Insider daily and weekly email updates and Dryland No Tiller E Newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with farmers spelled F-A-R-M-R, and on our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For Tony Kramer, Abby Wick, and our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Senior Editor John Doberstein. Thank you for listening.